0: Welcome to the Be Real podcast. I am your host, Diana Gasparoni. I am a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her programs. Along with my amazing co-hosts, Anisha Salisbury and Divya Robin, each week we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists from various disciplines and schools of thought, doctors from both eastern and western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought-provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We will give you tips and insights to taking the next steps or if you have already gotten in the door to go deeper. Each week we are going to have real conversations helping you work through your mental wellness questions, reminding you that you are not alone mental health is my passion i practice what i preach i know that the struggle is real it is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being so for the next hour let's work together and look underneath the surface and get real well hello and welcome back to be real Yes, here we are. It's me, your host Diana Gasparoni, with my other co-host, my girl Adnisha. That would be me. Hey, hey, hey! I'm here. <laughs> um. Uh, yes. In the here.
1: pandemic, still surviving. <laughs>
0: still surviving. We are still surviving. Still keeping it real. Still doing our thing. So it is our favorite part of the week, as we have declared. We are really excited. So I get to introduce another one of my amazing friends to Anisha today, which is super, super, super exciting. I'm trying to I was trying to remember my first memory of my girl Liz Bueller, and it was good lord have mercy. <laughs> okay, I can't, my brain doesn't actually go back that far date-wise, but it was in the East Village mall. Small community yoga, community, what community center? Community center? Sixth yoga Street studio, Street. community center in the back, like in this little corner, this little room. We would get changed for class in the front where there was no dressing room. There was, it was not like yoga is now or was a few weeks ago. It was <laughs> nothing like that. Like we would come in, we would, everybody would change in the front then you'd walk down this dirty little hallway. And then there was this tiny little room where we would fit up to like 40 people. And Liz and I taught yoga there. And it was probably one of the best yoga experiences that I've ever had. Over that time, our careers have definitely gone in different places. I'm super excited because Liz is doing so many amazing things. And I just, I'm in awe of all the stuff that she's doing. So um, we are excited to talk to her today. We're going to we have to break it up into like two parts because like she, we're going to bro- loop it all together, but we have like our first real commercial today. And also then we are going to talk a little bit about what she's, do- we're going to talk a lot of it about what she's doing with yoga. And then we're going to talk a lot of it about what she's doing um, with social advocacy and how she is bridging those two worlds. She's a change maker. She's making waves and changes in the world. And I am just like super excited to be on this ride with her as is the spirit of Be Real, Anisha, come on in and let's find out a little bit about
1: Liz. I'm in. So Liz, I just want to say thank you so much for being here today. And um, so what you guys don't know is before we start the podcast, we have like a call and we start talking. And I have to tell you, Liz is amazing. She is so pleasant. She's so much fun. And so I I can't wait to do this with her today. Um, And so I can't wait for you guys to learn a little bit more about her. So I guess we'll start here, Liz. Will you share with our listeners a little about yourself?
2: I sure will. I am very happy to be here with both of you. I have a lot of other things that I'm supposed I was supposed to be doing right now that I had to say no to. A lot of other places to be. But <laughs>
0: you were gonna be outside really today.
2: you were gonna be outside yeah. today. Is that is that what you're Multiple saying? Multiple lunch <laughs> dates. I had <laughs> plays to go see and very important yeah. things to do,
0: but mm-hmm.
2: I canceled them all and here I am with you and you're worth it. I um, appreciate
0: that very much getting on yeah. your calendar today. yeah.
2: <laughs> and for the listeners, I have lipstick on. So that yes. kind of shows you how, how much respect I have for the two of you. I'm really, I am, honestly, though, I do really respect and admire what you all are doing and what you're doing with this podcast. And so I'm so happy to be here and honored to be in conversation with you. And I can't wait to see where it goes and what comes up and what we're able to dig through. We've already gone back to the East Village in the late 90s.
0: Yes, the late 90s. It is true. We were there in the late 90s. So
2: so yeah, so we've taken it all the way back there. So I guess fast forward to who I am and and what I do now is I'm a mom of a nine year old son who's in the other room probably on his Nintendo Switch. <laughs> which Looks like
1: homeschooling. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he's so he's actually gotten through most of his work for the day. So he gets to have a little treat and be on his switch while I'm in here doing the interview. And then I'm here with the dog lying on the bed behind me. So he may make a vocal appearance at some point. Mostly what I'm doing these days is being a mom. And then I'm also a yoga teacher. And um We'll get way more into that, but right now I'm teaching online yoga a little bit and trying to balance that with homeschooling and being a mom and being a community member and seeing what, you know, how that works during this time of social distancing, trying to just take time to review and stay connected to what's important, right? And, and to, um, continue to, inquire within about um, who I want to be and how I want to live and how I want to connect with people and that's usually for me through parenting through yoga through movement through uh, finding ways to be in community and be in the world that feel creative that feel new and in in favor of life and life
0: affirming yeah 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 um you were when you were talking you were i was reminded i was on a call last night and it either here nor there with the woman who was leading the call talked about this time as a sacred pause which in my mind yesterday there was nothing sacred about yesterday (laughs) i was not having a good day but in letting that digesting coming up and hearing what you're saying and waking up this morning in a completely different mindset there is time in here for a sacred pause and what that will look like for all of us on the other side what that what breaking this pause will be like when we are moving forward into the next phase of this was something that just is sort of on my mind today. I don't want to. I don't want to take it there. I want to loop on back because <laughs> we'll get there again. I'm sure.
1: When I was thinking about um, in yoga and just kind of that um, personal connection that we have with our bodies when, while we're doing yoga, and I was thinking, in your experience, do you believe people are struggling to find that personal connection right now? I know that you've moved, you know, all of your yoga classes from in person into online. How has that been for you? And do you think that um, you know, your clients are still able to kind of find that personal connection without being in the room with other people, without being in the room with you.
2: A lot of what I'm doing is, is working one-on-one with people. So I always work one-on-one with people and I also teach group classes. So currently I'm not teaching group classes um, because it was just too much for me to, to figure all of that out and do all of the other things and not go into some sort of overworked, overproductive zone during this time. So I'm working one-on-one with people and that's interesting because I know them. I've been working with them before in person before we were online, Mm -hmm. but we're working differently. So I'm seeing their practice in a different way. I'm having to find ways, I'm not touching them, right? Which is normally I do when I'm teaching yoga, I do give hands-on assists. And so I'm having to find new ways of talking about the breath asking them questions about what they're feeling, how they're feeling it, finding, helping them find a relationship to the floor is important I think during this time to any kind of grounding and stability. Noticing that people don't want to go upside down a lot and neither do I in my yoga practice because everything's already turned upside down. Okay. A lot of what what the social distancing and and the loss that's happening, which you all talked about in in one of your podcast episodes. It's asking us to just have different relationships to everything and find different ways to connect and sort of leave behind the old ways that weren't working. And then Diana, what you were saying before, I think, what are we going to pick back up? You know, what? is it that we are going to pick back up and what do we not want to pick back up so when i'm having a good attitude adnisha i'm like yeah this is just different and so i'm going to find different ways to do this when i'm having a bad attitude i'm like i don't want to be doing this anyway like i don't want to have my computer open and be piercing through this technology just to have a yoga practice or have a you know conversation with friends or do an interview or anything like that so It kind of swings back and forth, but I do think that um, we're going to be so happy to just be in spaces with each other again. I think that one of the things that's missing is the shared experience. So, you know, you're where you are, Diana, you're where you are, I'm where I am. If the light changes and the sun, like a cloud comes over the sun where I am, that might not necessarily be happening where you are. So it's almost like I have to vocalize to you and say, my mood just changed because the light just changed.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's right, that's right.
2: So we're not just sort of like together and our moods change together and we don't have to talk about it. It's kind of exhausting. So I think that having those shared experiences are gonna be amazing when we're able to do that again. But um, there's also something about seeing you in your home, you know, and and seeing what the things that you have around you that's different during this. And you um, both have very beautiful homes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As do you. Um, but I agree. I think I was on uh, a call recently and the light and literally the light changed in my apartment. It was why are you sitting in the dark? I was like, hold on, I'm not, I'm actually not sitting in the dark. Like I I just moved somewhere. The light was different. And like, I was like, no, no. And there, there was very bright where the other person was, or like one person was in a climate that was really warm. And I was like, yeah. Put on a sweater just to make me feel better. And she was like, "What?" I go, "Just pretend. Just put on the sweater. Come on, everybody will feel better if you just put on the sweater for me." I, you know, she's like, "It's eighty-five degrees." I was like, I
1: really
2: <laughs> "Yeah." I, you know, it occurs to me too that uh, one of the things that we often say in yoga is, "Bring all of yourself into the room and bring all of yourself into the practice." But this is. You know, when we're doing Zoom yoga practices or, you know, when we're doing this online, we are literally bringing all of ourselves, right? You're bringing your whole space into the practice that everyone can see. You're bringing your partner walking around behind you, cooking dinner or whatever. You're bringing your kid and your dog. And even when I'm watching the news, you know, I was watching an interview with um, Ilhan Omar and her daughter ran in and hugged her in the middle of the interview and then ran away. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so, I think there's something so beautiful about not compartmentalizing our lives anymore. Right. It's like, not compartmentalizing your yoga practice and when you're doing the zoom call maybe your kid does run in and start climbing on you and so you have to incorporate that into your practice instead of like no this is something that i do outside of my relationship with you. So i think that that could be something really cool about this time and and using technology to do our practices or or relating to one another is that our whole environ each of our little ecosystems is being brought into the into the room in a way that's impossible when we're gathering in a particular space
0: true we have talked about uh Adisha and I have been talking about what it's be- being home and working from home and how um what that has been like for us because we have to like hide not hide we have to be in rooms with doors and those sort of things but when when it's like the free time in between. <laughs> and I was, I was I'm laughing because every time I get on my yoga mat, my monkey, my puppy is on the mat with me, like without a doubt, like it doesn't matter what we're doing. He is on there. He does not get it. He is like, you're here to play with me if you are on the floor. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And it, I've gotten used to it and adjusted to it. And there was like some ball time and all of it. But yes, the balls and the throwing around and the tiring out the dog in the house, and <laughs> what that's like, has been on the regular.
1: Um, when you were talking about bringing all of yourself um, to the work and how your clients are probably bringing all of themselves to the work as well, as far as like the mental health of your clients, have you seen any changes and are they telling you how um, yoga is being able to kind of help them in a different way than maybe it was before the pandemic? I think be I think it okay the podcast is
2: be real I think it's happening in a more real way now whereas before it's like oh I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna go do my self-care yay, I'm gonna check that box off and I'm gonna go to my yoga practice and connect to my body and do self-love and now, my sense is, and this is true for me, it's kind of like, I'm not choosing to do this. Like I have to do this. I need to do this. Whatever is going to show up is going to show up when I'm doing this. So it almost feels more like, just breathing the air or drinking water to stay hydrated. It's more of a need thing instead of a luxury, right? Which I think is a very positive shift that yoga, spiritual practice, physical practice, mental, mental health practices are not luxurious. They're practices that you show up for that are important, that are necessary, that allow you to be yourself, to live your life, not change your life necessarily, but live your life, right? It's not like, I have to be in a particular place in order to step into the yoga practice or be in a particular place in order to go to the therapy session. It's like you just you you're just doing it. It's you you're doing it because you have to do it. It's just part it's a practice that you're coming to. So I guess I would say that. And then I'm also just making sure to give opportunity for people to sit again, feel the ground under them and just ask themselves, how am I doing? You know, just getting quiet and saying, how am I doing? What are the sensations that I'm feeling in my body before or after we even move? That feels like that there's no work around that, you know, that's just a necessity. And it's almost like the mental health needs are driving the physical practice now, which I think is a positive
0: I love that. I was thinking as you were talking, what it, that this moment and how, as we strip away the studio and we strip away the the fancy gear and we strip away all the things. And when we were talking, how when we first started together on our path in the late nineties, we didn't have any of that. We didn't. Ha- it was just like roll up if you <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you just you did like we did you just bring up if you were lucky, like even if if you were lucky, you brought a mat. There were definitely people who practiced with no mats, right? But like there was no fancy gear. There wasn't any of that. And we taught in the back room of this very small community center. I really, I wish there was a visual of it because it was none of the fancy that we have now, right? And it was just coming to your mat, coming to your practice in a much for the physical, but more for the spiritual part. Like it became, it was a real practice. And that is, um, I was really excited to hear you say that. And I'll personally, I downloaded, uh, one, some music that I used to play when I taught with you and it had like a little Ram Dass and little little (laughs) chanting. I was like, and I've been playing it and chanting and it's, it's been really grounding and wonderful. I've just like, it felt like old school. And like, I was like, I hope I want to keep, this and like it was like it made me feel like I had come home so that was um that was a nice day i might do that again later today i want to talk a little bit about what's happening now in your yoga training you have created a yoga training can you tell us a little bit about that
2: i it, it took me a while to get here but I would say in the last three or four years, I started to from the late nineties in the little room in the back in the back of the community center. And then a whole lot of other things happened. And then eventually I kind of well, first of all, as things got fancier, they did not get more stable. No. So <laughs> so um it's not like they got fancier and like everyone was was, you know, living the life. Started to pull out of the studio system and work um in a different way and so I started working out of my home so kind of goes back to coronavirus times but it was when people could come into my home physically with me I started to kind of try to liberate my thinking from you know what is acceptable what is what is credible in, in terms of teacher trainings and how it looks and feels to learn and teach and practice yoga so last year I developed a prenatal yoga teacher training pre and postnatal is is really kind of my focus with teaching yoga and a population of people that I like to work with and I feel can be very well served with yoga and with, with my specific perspective of kind of opening things up and widening a vision of, of what it, what can be. So I I did a training out of my home in my living room and we like <laughs> laid on the couch during the training and pushed the furniture around and I cooked lunch for everyone and you know, we would like take a nap if you needed during lunch. And it was it was just great. So I did that for the first time in the fall. And it was so illuminating and brought in guest teachers and they would, you know, come to the home and and we would pass the talking rock around and, you know, (laughs) the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) I sometimes I would put a pillow in my shirt just to give (laughs) give a better, you know, more, a more authentic feel to it. And we would laugh a lot during the training and cry and all of that stuff. And it was really nice to, um, to just try something different and new. So that is a direction that I'm, I'm, I keep going in with yoga is just, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what haven't we thought of, what can we do differently? How can we make it more communal and more, um, of, stripping away those extras which really don't have don't have any meaning meaning they don't have they don't make it more sustainable more stable in fact perhaps even less so right then then when we sort of go rogue and take it um take it upon ourselves to be how we want to be with that so that's been an awesome experience and i've learned a lot through creating and teaching that training and I'm looking forward to just continuing to, to f-
0: figure out more and more ways of being like that. Hmm. There's so much. I mean, there's so much to digest in there. I, one, I was like, how do I sign up for your training? Two, <laughs> just because I want to <laughs> come and hang out in your house. Like, I got <laughs> to hang out with you all day. Like, it sounds so like such a way to connect, right? I mean, yoga is all about connection, but like when you bring women into the room, and I'm just assuming it was all women, but when you bring women into the room to learn anything, but to in a yoga, but around yoga and around birth, what a special moment, right? Like that we can all be together. And, um, with you leading it, I mean, come on now I can, I can't, it's just too much. It would have been amazing. I want to know more details about the pre <laughs> the, the actual, <laughs> I want to know details about the actual training. I don't know if that has anything to do with what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> and so I'm like trying not to go down like all of that, that the yoga teacher road, but and that how did you decide? Well, I'm I want to go in two different directions, so I'm going to let Anisha ask the next question because I was going I'm going in like 40 different directions. Like I'm go- <laughs> I got like from your yoga teaching, from the teaching of the from the training itself, are your teacher, are your certified teachers going or the women who are graduating from your class are they going back into yoga studios? Are they working one on one with women who are pregnant? Are they uh, are they seeing women from the, from the beginning of the beginning of the pregnancy and then seeing the same women after pregnancy? How how is it working?
2: So um, one of the people in the training was pregnant during the training, and she since had her baby. And uh, during during the coronavirus outbreak. Ooh. All is well.
0: Good, good to
2: hear. So, yeah, one of and one of the people in the training was there, um, kind of not knowing what she wanted to get out of the training or kind of why she was there, but knowing that she didn't necessarily want to ever have children herself. And mm-hmm. so that was an interesting experience. It was people of all different, you know, some people already had children all of them were already yoga teachers. The training is though open to, um, doulas who are familiar with yoga, not just Mm -hmm. yoga teachers who have a 200 or 500 hour training. Although I don't even like to use those
0: numbers. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know I I'm with you on that. But one of the, um, one of the things that, came up was that. I just wanted to teach it in a different way and open it up to different people and open up. What does this look like in terms of like, who gets attention when they're pregnant, who gets admiration when they're pregnant? How do we support people when they're moving through this transition? And so that was sort of one of the reasons why I started the training.
0: I really want to dig into that. We're going to take a break And then when we come back, we're gonna hop right on that and we're gonna go deeper. During
1: this time of COVID-19, we want to remind you to be patient and breathe. If you notice that you are having trouble sleeping or concentrating, that is natural under these circumstances. We all need a minute to adjust. However, if you are feeling overwhelmed, extremely anxious, or the isolation is too much now may be the time to connect with a therapist if you are in the new york area please reach out to bewellpsychotherapy.com and if outside the area please connect to a therapist near you again if you're in the new york area please contact bewellpsychotherapy.com now back to our show
0: Okay, welcome back. So Liz was just getting ready to dig in deep cuz we're going to go right back to where we were on talking about how we support, look at, acknowledge pregnancy and what what your work is doing to sort of open eyes around that.
2: Yeah, so uh so you know, we were talking about the training that I created the prenatal yoga training, what brought that about. So I've been teaching and working with um pregnant people for many, many years and teaching. And then, and then my, I was pregnant and had a son, um, nine and a half years ago. And so I went through that. I know he's an adult. (laughs) So I went through that experience myself. Then I started as I worked with people longer and, you know, met more parents, I started to see and understand, and also just in my own personal work. I started doing work around what am I not what am I not noticing how can I be more conscious so I started to ask myself these questions of, of especially around pregnancy because I feel like pregnancy is is a time and parenting as well where people feel very entitled to insert their opinions insert their ideas insert their morals insert their, Physical selves over your own, you know, body. And so I wanted to address that in a way that felt, again, you know, like um, generative and creative. And so in asking myself the question of who's not being served in this, who is not being cared for in the system that cares for people coming into the world, right? So pregnancy, birthing, postnatal period, early parenting, all of that. What I was noticing is that there's such a narrow vision in general In this country, I'll just say in this country, because this is my experience is in the country and in New York. Of what pregnancy can and should look like, what parenting can and should look like, and who should be cared for and supported in that. So I said, first of all, I'm going to change my teaching and I'm going to start to notice who's not in the room and why they're not. And what kind of language can I use, right? So can I use the language of pregnant people, Even, even above the language of pregnant women, right? Because there are people who are not female identified who are pregnant who might feel terrible walking into a prenatal yoga class and feeling like they the class is not for them. So what kind of pronoun sharing can I do? What kind of language can I do that honors both that this is a a unique experience of being able to bring about another human um, that is opening and Different and can be feminine and have feminine qualities that does not then exclude someone who is going through the experience but does not feel or is not female, right? So, how can we kind of put these things together? Are there, you know, are there norms of whiteness that are being placed onto yoga in general, onto prenatal yoga that? make it or or heteronormativity that makes it so that this isn't this isn't an expansive experience so that's sort of what I was thinking about in my teaching in general and why I wanted to create this training because both the personal work I was doing about like what's not being seen what's not being served what's actually being damaged or pushed away and how can I not participate in that and therefore participate in something different so that's one of the things that was exciting about the training is like do you do you have to have had a child in your body in order to teach prenatal yoga no you know no is the answer to that no is the answer yes um but then how do we how do we acknowledge that right and not just ignore that that is happening but acknowledge it and open to it and include it and what are some of the ways in which we can um do things differently and talk about things that are more rooted in reality. That's always sort of my mental health journey is what is what what is the actual reality? What is, what is actually it? happening? And then having a consciousness around that so that then I can
0: respond
2: and and adjust.
0: We're having a little technical difficulty today, and I can't see your beautiful face, but I'm assuming that you have a question.
1: If if I am to be very transparent today, as a Black woman who is trying her very best to conceive a child right now, I think about the importance of prenatal, uh, postnatal yoga, like all of those things. But there is this extreme fear that I have around getting pregnant that I don't talk about. And maybe I haven't mentioned this with you, Diana, you've just kind of been on the journey of me being so happy about trying to conceive. But I do think about the black maternity mortality rate, which is so high, right? Like, so women who look like me are dying three times the rate of white women. And so I I think about, um, I read this article a couple of years back that was in the NPR and it talked about nothing protects black women from dying, right, not their education, not their income, not even being an expert on racial disparities in healthcare. Like nothing is going to protect them. So for me, as someone who is you know, up there at age now. Right. And I don't have any children and wanting this so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, is this something I'm worth dying? Is, work, is it worth dying for? And I, and I hate that that has to be my reality, that that is my thought around if I am able to conceive and, and I do, you know, go through this pregnancy, will I die in childbirth? So it, it is, it's a very scary thing, right? Cause there's like this persistent illicit bias, right? That, that impacts women. So like me before pregnancy, during pregnancy and after childbirth, I did notice when I was on your website, Liz, that you were starting to work more with like doulas. Um, and I think that there was a training around them. And so I know that doulas and midwives, first off, let's talk about that. They are a luxury, right? That sometimes black and brown moms just are not aware of first. But I also know that um, it helps the outcome if you are working with a doula or a, a midwife, excuse me. If you can kind of speak to maybe the importance of you working with doulas and um, the the work that you do with race and resilience, have you guys talked about the black maternity morality rate, mortality rate, excuse me, guys?
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Adnisha. And all of that is, it affects a person holistically, right? Like, it's not just your journey with your fertility and your, like, Dreams and vision for your living and how you want to how you want to live your life and and the things that you want to include in your life, it affects everything, right? So it affects everyday health, it affects stress and stress affect um, the, the ways in which a body can respond and uh, how resilient an actual body can be. And you're right, people, people are literally dying. It's not just Oh, who gets to come into a room and kind of do some nice stretches and feel good. But people are dying and people are dying based on racial identities. The more support there can be. So this is where doulas and midwives come into play in terms of, first of all, the, the model, the midwifery model is more of a holistic model. So it's looking at the um, not only the baby, but also the person carrying and birthing the baby and also the unit of whoever is involved in that process right? So whoever's going to be in the home and parenting, it's it's all looked at together. And I think once we start to look at that, then we also have to look at what's the surrounding, right? What What's the hospital system then? And how does that treat or not treat people? And what you know the the fears that you're describing are so rooted in reality and based on science and data that's at the root of everything and what we can't ignore so if we are the way that I feel as a white female identified uh, yoga teacher is if I can't offer something that's going to help that situation, then I don't need to be offering it at all. In my training, I bring in as much as possible and try to encourage black, indigenous people of color to do the training so that then they are teaching in spaces, doulas to come in and do the training so that there is a wide variety, similar to the um, be well practice, right? A wide variety of practitioners to serve, understand and reflect lots of different people who are coming into pregnancy, who are coming into fertility question marks, who are coming into being parents. And so I think that that's where I personally can have an impact is to not try to do it all myself and to try to bring in people who are representing all kinds of people and particularly the people most at risk, right? Particularly Black people who are giving birth in this country who are being, I'm just going to say it, abused and killed by the system, right? And so working on the level that I can in terms of having this training and trying to um, be open and honest about what the situation is, and how on an interpersonal level, we can make a difference, as well as holding that bigger picture of the larger systems and how the larger systems also are not serving black women and black people birthing. In addition to I believe that parenting or, you know, reproductive justice continues into not just what happens around the birth or infertility, but reproductive justice includes what kind of life is my child going to have? What kind of safety is my child going to have as they move through the world, as they enter into school, as they develop friendships and relationships, as they start to work, as they become an adult? How it how is how is that being addressed so that so that you, Adnisha, can release some of the the dread and fear that you were just describing, fully embody in your body as it is uh, your ability to give life in all of the different ways, right?
0: This is why I give her the mic when we are in public places all the time, because you can just let, you can just sit back and listen, because it's beautiful. But I, I jumped in.
1: <laughs> so it's interesting, because a piece of it that I didn't add is that um, I am having fertility. I am at a fertility clinic. When I go to the fertility clinic, um, I realize that there are not many people there who look like me. I actually went to a um, support group, and I was the only person of color there. It was very difficult for me because I did feel very alone. And also, um, I realized how um, expensive fertility treatment is. And I realized that I was privileged to be able to get fertility treatment, right? Because a lot of people cannot afford to get it. So um, maybe three days ago, they were they've decided to um, start um, me on another cycle. Before we can start the cycle, I have to come in and get um, a COVID-19 test. And so um, I had to wake up early in the morning to go get the test. And within 10 hours, I was given the results and I was negative, thank goodness. But there also was this bit of guilt in me that I was so privileged to get a test, right? Because I know that there are people who look like me right now who are at home panicking and anxious because they actually believe they have it and they're unable to get a test. And here I am. Not to say that me trying to get pregnant is not a super important thing and, and it's it's going to impact my life, but there's people who think that they might be either dying or just not sure about where they are and they're not able to get a test, right? And I was able to kind of walk in and get results within 10 hours. So um, I think the whole process for me has, has been very difficult and this is the first time I've actually ever ta- really talked about it, um, you know, to the world, I guess now, Um I, it's 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 really difficult, and I wish that my outcomes were the same as Diana's or yours, right? And so it it does really hurt me in in a way that I don't even know if I could um really impart to you guys that you can can really truly get it. So I am very excited to be on the journey to have a child, but I want to know that I'll make it to see my child when it's all said and done. Um, and the reason I think about this is that there was a, a young woman. Her her name was her name is excuse me. Amber Isaac. She is a black woman and she's 26 years old and she died during childbirth maybe a week ago now. So she had dreamed that she wouldn't survive her delivery. Um, She had told her partner that she didn't think that she was going to make it and she Mm -hmm. did not make it. So she bled out after um, having her son. And so, you know, I think about that. She's a 26 year old woman and this is happening. I'm a 40 some odd year old woman, right? Like what are my chances? So this definitely um, is impacting me um, and I'm glad that we are talking about it. And I think that, you know, we can continue to talk about this, right? And maybe there will be another show guys around this and another platform to really kind of discuss this and take the time that this, um, this issue needs. But yeah, I'm glad that we're able to kind of just touch on it.
0: So thank you. Thank you, Anisha. That was, I want, Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm going to cry. Um, I know we don't talk about it because I, I worry about it for you. So, and it, my knowing the statistics and knowing the realities and paying close attention to what is happening with the mortality rates around black women and, um, what that means and how, how I will not, uh, was not, will not be affected. I mean, and, uh, in the same ways and, um, and I'm honored that you, that you talked about it today and let us be here with you. Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay guys. Okay. (laughs) We will, we will, we will give this, we will talk, we will bring this back again and we will have, I mean, we could have a very big conversation around this topic because it deserves the attention and it deserves the space to really flush, to really flush through it and flush through the feelings and, flush through all of the different layers to the extent that we can. So we will, we will come back to that.
2: I do want to say, Ednisha, um, first of all, thank you for all of that. Um, so generous sharing. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, when you were saying you went to the support group, and you were the only person of color, you know, there's just such a cognitive dissonance there, which is who, who, who may need the most support, right? The people who are lives are literally at risk here, need support, and you go to a support group and, and the people whose lives are at risk are not there. So that's the kind of destructive, distorted cognitive dissonance that happens here that um, I so appreciate you bringing up and um, that I also try to constantly question. And I do just want to give a couple of names and resources so Latham Thomas is a black woman who um trains doulas and does doula services and um is a big advocate for um black women having healthy supported births and also ancient song doula services is um another organization that that is run and serves Black women. So I just want to, you know, give those resources out too for folks. Okay, oh, um,
0: And we'll make sure to get them from you too and add them into today's show notes so that uh, anybody who listens will have access to them and we'll make so that they'll be in two places on the site and on the show notes. So people will know where to find that information. And I am familiar with Latham and her, uh, and her work. And I know that I've, shared it with you too, Nisha. So
1: um, I didn't
0: know about the other one. So I'm excited to know. I can ask a question. (laughs) 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 Uh, Oh, I mean, we could ask a question. Yes. We could break it up with some laughter and now ask a new question. Go ahead. (laughs) So, so
1: Liz, if it's okay, can we talk about the race and resilience work that you are doing and how it relates to mental health?
2: For the last, I would say for the last several years, I have focused most of my study and I would say it, I would call it my spiritual study on, on raising my own consciousness, right? So I, I talked a little bit about what what am I not noticing? what am I not seeing? Um, that's the work that I do in therapy and uh, the work that is is part of uh, my daily, ongoing spiritual practice. And so I've been doing more formal study for the last several years on, um, what does equity look like? So when I, as a white woman, what am I not seeing, right? I've been indoctrinated into don't see, don't see the black maternal mortality rate. Don't see the, um, people who can't get the COVID tests. Don't see that more black and Brown people are, are dying from this virus, disproportionately. Don't see who's not in the room. Don't, you know, all all of those things. Don't see who's not in leadership, who's not able to have a dissenting voice because the risks are too high for them or um, they'll be ostracized or anything like that. So this year, 2020, um, I'm in a cohort for the year called Race and Resilience. So it's led by Michelle Cassandra Johnson, who I also did some uh, personal coaching work with when I was creating my prenatal yoga teacher training. She helped me come up with some of the assumptions and agreements and shared language and um, ways to include Guest teachers and how to uh, make sure that the teachers that I was bringing in felt seen and served, and so that they could see and serve the people that were in the training. So, Michelle's Cassandra Johnson, she wrote Skill in Action. Also, she co facilitates the Race and Resilience cohort with Carrie Kelly, who is the founder and director of Citizen Well. So, um, Michelle is a Black woman, Carrie Kelly is a white woman, part of their partnership. for race and resilience is working across lines of difference. So they do a lot of modeling with with their own relationship and and how they interact, so that the people in the cohort who are all kinds of different people and there for all kinds of different reasons can can witness that and sort of see that in action. And we do caucusing right where our most recent um, call. It's a once a month call. And um our most recent one was where the white people caucused on one call with Carrie and then the black indigenous people of color caucused on another call with Michelle. So um I think the reasons why I'm there are, again, it's called the work, right? It's often referred to as the work, do the work. And yeah, um,
0: it is often referred to as "do the work,"
2: and we I understand. <laughs> I understand why that is, and I use that terminology also. But again, you know, just locating myself as as a white person, first of all, it's it's not work for me. Like I I have no business profiting from it. I already benefit uh, disproportionately from the systems that are already set up. So. I I think of it as um, life, right? It's it's it is life. It is part of my own spiritual well being and practice. Like it is my like showing up and learning. It's the learning for me and a showing up in how do I want to be in the world. So um, I just wanted to put that out there too. That like it's the 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 equity piece is not something where I am a race equity educator or anything, but it is, I'm not going to leave that out of what I already do, right? I'm not going to leave that out of my parenting. I'm not going to leave that out of teaching yoga. I'm not going to leave that out of working with pre and postnatal people and parents. I'm going to include it. And so in order for me to include it, I study. And that's what the race and resilience uh, cohort is about for me, is
0: um, is my my study. So instead of work, it's expansion, right? And so in the expanding of one of my uh, mentors, one of my analytic mentors always says, the, the more thoughts, the more you expand your mind, the healthier your mind. So when we think about how how we live in our bodies and how we live in our minds. And when we expand and we open up and we open up to more people and we open up to more experiences, we just become more full and the more full we become the healthier we become because we can then support others and be with others in a different way. I love what you're doing. <laughs>
2: um, Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And yes, expansion and yes, fullness. Yeah. You know, the question is how do I show up fully? Mm-hmm while doing the least amount of harm
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: wow. Mm-hmm. and um when i'm not again so badly you know when i when i st- i didn't start going to therapy until i was 40 uh
0: <laughs> it, it's so,
1: okay so now, now, like,
0: like, come on I'm in glad come I'm on glad in hey having started.
1: you we appreciate you're here now <laughs> yeah you're here now when I did, yes.
2: But really looking back and 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 continuing to look, the times the the times when I have fallen so flat on my face, like really gotten into serious trouble. It's because of what I wasn't seeing. It's because of where I was unconscious despite my years of practicing and teaching yoga, right? And like not following. I'm not somebody who's like, get the husband and the two kids and the car and the corporate job. You know, I've never been that person. I've always sort of questioned and thought I was making my own choices. But um, <laughs> then I got into therapy and I was like, oh, right. Yeah, there's a whole <laughs> 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 that I, first of all, that I wasn't seeing. And second of all, that I was trained from birth
0: yes. to
1: not
2: see. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the growing up in a particular household. And that's the growing up in a system of white supremacy and um, patriarchy. Um, so that's that's where it all kind of relates for me is how can I see more? How can I be more in reality, mm-hmm. which is what allows me to show up fully? Not, you know, I'm under no weird cloud that, that where I believe that I can show up and never do harm. Right. But how how can I be as conscious as possible of the ways in which harm happens and the ways in which my presence represents harm does harm, you know, and how can I mitigate that or soften? How can I soften and expand and Open so that um, so that not only am I fully present or showing up fully, but that that everyone else is able to do the same thing, right? So that's right. Nisha. I appreciate so much how you showed up so fully in this conversation too. Yes, thank
0: um, you. Uh, we can have a whole show on Ahimsa. So um, <laughs> we unfortunately have to have to come to a close, which I never like to do. But we have so many so many things that we can come back to, and um, we're going to bring you back. But we never end without Anisha asking you the two surprise questions, which I never know what they are. So um, I'm going to say thank you, and Anisha, we're going to find out what she's, got on, <laughs> what she's got on tap today.
1: So, so we're going to start out with some fun, right? So since we're all living in quarantine in a pandemic, a lot of us have had our birthdays while in quarantine, and I am one of them. So... On your next birthday, if we are out of quarantine and you decide to have a party, what will your theme song be when you walk in?
2: (laughs) Oh, my theme song. Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) First of all, um, I wanna say happy birthday to you, Adnisha.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs)
2: and I okay, a song did pop into my head. And it's a song oh. that gets me pumped up often in the morning. Um, so I'm gonna say it's gonna be No Letting Go by Wayne Wonder.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, look at that.
2: Just for some good we gotta think about
1: these things, right? Because we're gonna have another party soon.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I will, And I'll also say that it's a pool party, because my birthday's <laughs> in July.
1: Oh! Oh! That's better. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. so it may be not this July you have that party. Maybe next
0: July. July. It's but it's coming? <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. All right, girl. What's the second one? Okay. So, in
1: what ways have you been kind today?
2: Mm. Um. Hmm. In what ways have I been kind today? One of the ways I show kindness and love is feeding. So I have cooked and fed myself and my son. So showing kindness to both of us that way. I have petted and played fetch with my dog. I have snuggled
0: with my son. I have... um, Outdone me in the kind department, (laughs) 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 for sure. (laughs) All this morning, I can tell you that right now.
2: (laughs) It's the way I showed kindness to myself. This is oh, I'm gonna okay. Hopefully, this practice will be helpful for people, Um, especially people like you two who are helpers who help Mm -hmm. other people. So I showed kindness to myself by hitting snooze on the alarm when the alarm went off this morning. And often I have a practice where I hit snooze and I practice letting the bed hold me, being held by the bed before I get up and get going into my day. So that's the way I showed kindness to myself today.
0: Oh, that's so nice. I will have to say that during this pandemic, I have realized just how comfortable my bed is because I have have (laughs) given myself like this opportunity to just like lie there in the morning because I don't have to commute. And I'm like, damn, this is a comfortable bed. Like it was really amazing. So Liz, thank you so, 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 so much for being with us today. And Ignisha, thank you so, so much for sharing truthfully and in a big, real way how you're feeling about your experiences right now. We will have you back. And just quick, where can we find you?
2: So uh, my
0: website is brooklynyogalife.com.
2: My Instagram is Liz, the letter B, yoga life.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, good. That's about it. But we'll make sure that all that information is also on our website and also on our social channels. And as always, if you are struggling in any way with being inside or with any sort of feelings of anxiety, isolation, or just in general need somebody to talk to, find us at BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay. We're going to stop here and we'll see you next week. Denisha.
1: For all our people out there, um, stay healthy and keep washing your Cushing hands. Washing your hands. Yes.
2: <laughs> and think of your theme song for your birthday party when you're <laughs> out of it.
0: Yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the B Rail podcast. Stay connected to us. And subscribe to be real wherever you listen to podcasts and if you are feeling it how about a five-star review if our conversation sparked a question join us in the be real podcast facebook group we hope that you have walked away with some new insights curiosities and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being i encourage you to go to bewellpsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs again that's bewellpsychotherapy.com okay we have to stop here but i'll see you next week